0: hello real life family and friends pastor tim with you again sharing from the book of daniel on courageous conviction and uh, before we get into today's uh, lesson i just wanted to uh, share something very personal with you about someone that uh, i have highly respected my whole life and that is uh, pastor Thampi from india many of you know uh, pastor thampy but if you don't he was a great man of conviction and uh, last week, Pastor Thampy went home to be with the Lord at, at the age of 81. Um, and I just wanted to say uh, uh, how much love that we have had for Pastor Thampy and his, his family, his children, Benu and Biju, and uh, Bina. And uh, our heart and our love goes out to them. And so if you've been a supporter of our church, you have been a supporter of Christ for India. And uh, over his lifetime, Pastor Thampy planted over 4,000 churches. He was a modern-day apostle, and uh, he lived his entire life with great conviction in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he laid his life down for the gospel. Uh, One story I just wanted to pass on to you that uh, I remember him telling me uh, many years ago, and by the way, I believe I met Pastor Thampy as about 13 years, so I've known him for 40 years and always just gleaned so much from him uh, and his time when he would come and visit us and passionately pray for us and preach to us and encourage us and tell us what God is doing in India. And one time he was uh, speaking and some radical Hindus were sent uh, to his meeting to kill him. Uh, Many times Pastor Thampy's life was at risk because of his faith in Jesus and because of the culture that he was uh, surrounded by. And in this meeting, these men came with weapons to, to uh, with the uh, the idea to kill Pastor Thampy. And as they entered the back of the room, they just they just froze, and um, they couldn't move. Something came upon them; they couldn't even uh, move or do anything. And so <laughs> it was as if God just froze them in place. And they were there and they heard the whole message of the gospel and at the end of pastor thampy's message they came forward and got saved they gave their life to jesus and they asked him uh, during that time they said who were those those guards on either side of you with those swords and pastor thampy said "There, there there were no guards there and then he realized that the men had seen angels of god On on both sides of him protecting him and watching over him and these men when they came in and saw these angels these swords protecting Pastor Thampy they literally a spirit of fear came upon them and they were they were frozen they could not even move and God delivered Pastor Thampy in that day and saved these men and uh, that and that's what he would always say he says all of my enemies have either died or they've been converted And I just want to honor Pastor Thampy, his family, and uh, we are so thankful for uh, the relationship that we've been able to have and that we will continue to have as his legacy is going to continue on in his children in India. So pray for them, pray for the family, pray for Mariama, his wife, um, that God would just bring comfort to them. But what a great man of conviction. What a great man of God. We're talking about conviction in the book of Daniel. Daniel and his friends were great examples. Young men who stood with conviction that God is sovereign, that his truth is supreme, and that he is the holder of our eternal destiny. And they stood strong in a foreign culture, in a culture of of foreign uh, worship, uh, false god worship. And today we're in chapter 3. Before we do that, though, I wanted to just read a couple of verses out of Psalm 91. This is a great psalm for us to meditate on and think about. Verse 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Later on in verse 9, it reminds me of the story I shared with you of Pastor Thampy and also the story we're going to look at today in Daniel chapter 3. In verse 9 through 12, it says, If you say, The Lord is my refuge... And you make the most high your dwelling. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. I believe in guardian angels. I believe that uh, this scripture is true. That God has angels that guard us and protect us. As we make him our refuge that there are more with us than against us and uh, we have a God who cares for us and protects us as we acknowledge his lordship and his sovereignty in our lives and that's where our conviction comes from that God is sovereign he's all-powerful and uh, there's no power greater than him Paul says that in Ephesians there's no title nor name Uh, there's nothing greater than Jesus he is at the top he rules above it all and we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms amen and so at the end of Psalm 91 it says this because he loves me says the Lord I will rescue him I will protect him for he acknowledges my name he will call on me and I will answer him I will be with him in trouble I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation." That's to the person who places their faith in him, who acknowledges God as Lord of their life, Jesus as the Lord of his his or her life, and trusts in him with all their heart. God says, I am there for you. I will deliver you. I will watch over you, and I will show you my salvation incidentally just a little extra bonus treat for you today the last word in psalm 91 salvation is a variation of the name of jesus yeshua yeshua and so god is saying as you trust in me i will show you jesus my salvation isn't that awesome (laughs) i think it is so we're continuing our series on courageous conviction as we look at the book of daniel week one a couple weeks ago we talked about how courageous conviction does not compromise on the small things, that the the convictions that we have in God and in His Word are just, we we can't let a slice of that go because then we're on a slippery slope and then we just lose, lose it all. And so courageous conviction says, I'm standing strong even if it seems like a small thing, or even if it's inconvenient, even if it costs me something, which by the way, it almost always is inconvenient to be a person of conviction, right? It almost always costs us something to be a person of conviction. Last week we talked about courageous conviction does not sell out for personal gain or comfort or promotion because there is a deeper worth, there's a deeper value that's stronger and more powerful and more lasting than any temporary gain that we might get by losing our conviction. And today I want to talk about how courageous conviction goes the distance no matter the cost even if it is our life right and so daniel and his buddies exemplify this over and over again so today we're in daniel chapter 3 and daniel chapter 3 starts with king nebuchadnezzar building this giant image it's kind of interesting in chapter 2 he had a dream about this amazing statue with the head of gold and so sil- uh, chest and arms of silver and then the, the waist of bronze and the feet of iron and we talked about that last week you can look at that message and it represent represented the future at that time which is to us now past of four kingdoms and the kingdom of gold was King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom right and so Daniel interprets this dream to him and it was a magnificent statue and it's interesting in chapter 3 all of a sudden Nebuchadnezzar's built this giant 90 foot high image or statue (laughs) I just I wonder if he built the statue that he had a vision of I wonder and uh, I was thinking about 90 feet that's pretty high that's like nine story building we don't have anything close to that here in Montrose, where I live. Nothing's that tall in Montrose. I think maybe the tallest thing we might have would only be 30 or 40 feet, maybe a steeple on the Methodist church or the Catholic church or something, I don't know. But there's nothing, nothing close to 90 feet tall. It's actually the size of like a a typical um, lighthouse. So this was just a huge, magnificent uh, structure that King Nebuchadnezzar built. And he built it for the purpose of unifying his empire under his god Nabu, And he actually was kind of named after this, this Babylonian god, Nebuchadnezzar, the first part of his name, Neba or Nebu is the name of that Babylonian god. And so he was calling all of his leaders, all of his government officials, and all the people on this at the sound of the music, the lair, the horns, all the all the musical instruments that everybody in his kingdom was supposed to bow down and worship this God, this image, which represented the Babylonian God. And uh, I don't know if you've wondered about this, but when you read this story, Daniel is not in this particular story. It's his three three buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's not Daniel. I was was kind of wondering about that. Where's, Where's Daniel? And so I did a little research. It doesn't tell us exactly where he was, In the scriptures but we know Daniel was a man of conviction and he he was not one of those who would have bowed down to this image so the most likely answer to that question is where's Daniel is he was probably not present at that time but on business for the king because the king at the end of chapter 2 put him over um, all of the the Babylonian province so he was a busy guy and he had lots of responsibilities so Uh, My best guess is that Daniel wasn't present at the time of this particular instance that we are looking at today. And if he was, he would have been right next to his buddies, standing strong as a person of conviction. There's no way Daniel would have bowed down and worshipped a false god. We know that, and we'll see that later uh, when we talk about Daniel and the lion's den. He is a man of conviction. So, just to answer that question, there, in case you were wondering, that now the penalty that King Nebuchadnezzar decreed for anybody who would not be willing to bow down and worship this false god was death by fire. He had a fiery furnace. He was going to cast anybody in there, and he didn't expect anybody to to resist because you know who wants to just die for not bowing down to his god. He thought everybody'd be fine with it, but he did make that decree. You know, you must do this. This is what we're doing. And uh, we're unifying, under, unifying this empire under our identity of this God. And some Jew-hating astrologers uh, discovered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do this. They were not serving King Nebuchadnezzar's gods, and they refused to bow when the music or the, you know, all, the, all the different music took place. And they told on them to King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says he was furious. So in Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, we're going to pick out the story. Let me read it for you. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing fire. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And here's the answer that they gave him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, you have set up. Wow. This is the epitome of courageous conviction. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were face to face with the king. Their lives were in his hands, supposedly, in the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they looked him square in the eye and they said, what God can save us, the God that we serve can save us. Not only that, he will save us and and he will rescue us. And even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't king we will not bow to your false gods that is the strength of their conviction this was no joke this wasn't a poker game they weren't bluffing i mean this was life and death and and they knew by responding in this way they were absolutely going to be tossed in that fiery furnace and they knew and they believed with all their heart god would save them that god would rescue them just like Pastor Thampy had these angels of God protecting him, next to him, watching over him. They had confidence that God could do this without any trouble. That God was sovereign and more powerful than this king in front of them. That this statue that was made by man's hands was nothing. They served a living God, a real God, the God of Israel. Right? That is where their conviction came from. And this courageous conviction goes the distance no matter what the cost. And I'll try to explain this, uh, you know, and walk through this, why, why this is the case. But the true conviction that fueled their decision wasn't simply to not worship a foreign God, but it was the conviction that God Almighty is bigger and greater and sovereign over all of this situation. That was their greater conviction. Did you hear it in their voice? Our God can save us. Our God will rescue us. You know, and that was their conviction. Their conviction wasn't just against a foreign culture. Their conviction was for the living God. And that is the conviction that we have as the people of God, that God is with us. He is for us. He can save us. He can rescue us. He is greater than any other power on this earth. That's our conviction too. And in other words, I would put it this way. God is in control of my life. Right? These guys are standing there and this king is saying that he's in control of our lives and they're saying, no, king, you are not in control of our lives. There's one greater than you who's in control of our lives. God is in control of my life. God has the final say about your life. God is the authority over your life. Not a sickness, Not a diagnosis, not a government, not a cultural uh, trend, not a law uh, made by government. God is sovereign. He's over every king. He's over every government. He will outlast every person, right? Every kingdom, as we talked about last week, all these other kingdoms will crumble, but the kingdom of God will be eternal it will take over all the earth all the, all the earth right all the world the kingdom of god god who's in charge of the kingdom of god will rule and reign over all he's the creator of all of us so the conviction comes from the this this strong unyielding belief that my life is in the hands of god and that's why it makes sense to, to stand in great courageous conviction, even if it costs us our life. Because Jesus even said it this way I'll tell you who to fear. You do not fear uh, the, the rulers of this world, who all they can do is take your life. Fear the one who has your eternal destiny in his hands. Do you see? And so, I'm more willing and you are more willing and we need to be more willing like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to die believing in God who has our eternal destiny in his hands than to live worshiping a false God and only have a temporary existence and lose eternity with him, with God. Now the enemy, I want to kind of draw this to a kind of a practical application to you and to me today. The enemy comes at us all the time To get us to bow to his word, to concede, to believe in his power instead of God's word and God's power. And I want to quote Daniel 2, 28 from last week. But there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven for you and for me, the one that we serve. And Daniel 3, 17, and the God we serve, today's verse, is able to save us and he will rescue us. So no matter what trouble you are facing, no matter what the word of the enemy, if we look at King Nebuchadnezzar in this particular example, and we just translate that to the enemy coming against you who wants to force you to worship him, who wants you to leave your God, leave your convictions and compromise under the the circumstances and believe his word, believe that he's in control of your life instead of God, So if we see it that way, the enemy comes to us all the time and he'll whisper lies to us and he'll make statements like, oh, this is the diagnosis and this is going to take your life. Or so-and-so and and your family died from this and they died from that and the same thing is going to happen to you. And that's a word. That is a, a word from the enemy trying to get us to believe in that instead that there is a God in heaven. And our God can save us, right? Or maybe it's just your personal mental state, and uh, you've heard whispers that you're you're just uh, not good enough, or you're a failure, or you'll never be free. You'll you you're maybe you're in, struggling with an addiction or or a problem, and the uh, and the voice comes at you saying, "There's no hope for you. Uh, you're lost. God doesn't love you. You've sinned too much. You've gone too far." And, and you hear these voices, right? But that's, those are not true. He does not have power over your life. The devil does not have the final say over your life. Sickness does not have the final say over your life, right? God does. We fear him. We serve him. He's sovereign. He's in control. God can do anything. He's above it all, right? God can do anything anything for you and for me and i love this statement i'm asking you to memorize this portion of this verse here this uh this week that it will come from within you too when you're faced with trouble when you're faced with problems and the enemy is is threatening your life and trying to get you to to bow down to give up on your faith in god to compromise uh what you believe in the word of god and what is true and when they stood there and said Listen, the God we serve is able to save us, and he will rescue us from your hand. And even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we are not going to bow to you. So one of the things that I've heard a lot, you know, in ministry over the years, people struggle with this idea of faith and and trusting in God and, 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 and having this sense of it seems like sometimes God answers and sometimes he doesn't sometimes i we hear miracles and we hear this story of pastor Thamping, that's amazing but then we hear other stories where it seems like god didn't show up god didn't save our prayers weren't answered um, many of us struggle with different things in our own life where we thought we prayed we did everything we knew to do and we didn't get the results that we were looking for i mean this is just this is just real where we're at right this is what happens in real life and so then doubt begins to enter in and we begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt that he loves us and he's for us. But I want to just punch all of those lies right in the nose today and tell you that God is bigger and greater and we will never understand all of these issues. But what we need to do is have the same resolve that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had that no matter what we believe in God, he can save us. He can rescue us. We believe he will save us. He will rescue us. And even if he doesn't, we are not going to bow down. We are not going to stop believing and trusting. Why? Why? Because we believe that we don't have the mind of God yet. We don't see everything that God sees. But we believe God is for us and he loves us. And in the end, when we get to eternity, you know, I believe it's going to make sense to us. And we will see the hand of God was on our lives along, And he will have rescued us. He will have saved us. And we will be in eternity with him forever. There will be no more pain, no more disappointments, no more regrets, no more of that stuff. We will be in perpetual peace and love and the grace of God will be clearer to us than it is much more so than it is even now that's our conviction and i want to challenge you to have that same conviction that shadrach meshach and abendigo had so first of all god is able and god is willing so many people wonder not so much is god able most people believe yeah god's able but but god is able he can do anything and god is willing I just gave you a couple examples today to try to encourage you and build your faith today in jesus okay jesus is able there's a story in mark chapter 9 of a boy who was possessed by an evil spirit and his father said um, this evil spirit has caused him to lose his speech he would throw him into convulsions cause him to foam at the mouth and often had thrown this boy into the fire or into the water to either kill him by fire or kill him by drowning and the disciples couldn't do anything and Jesus shows up and there's commotion and the father comes to Jesus and in mark chapter 9 verse 22 he says to Jesus but if you can do anything take pity on us and help us if you can if you can Jesus take pity on us help us help my boy help my boy and Jesus answers in verse 23 if you can Jesus repeats his, his question if you can And jesus said everything is possible everything is possible for one who believes of course he's talking about believing in him we we have a savior who cares for us who has compassion for us who is a healer who's a restorer who's a redeemer he sets us free and god's will is to do those things for us and so jesus if you can listen My friend, everything is possible to the one who believes. Believe in Jesus and believe in God for everything. Believe, choose to believe, choose to have conviction that God's word is true, that these stories are not just stories, you know, that happened uh, once upon a time, but the the, the stories are still being written in your life, in my life today, as we believe, as we trust in Jesus. And so Jesus immediately cast that spirit out and healed this young boy right in front of the, his eyes. Jesus is not only able, he is willing. God's will is to save and to heal. There's a story in Matthew chapter 8 of a man with leprosy who came to Jesus, knelt before him, asking for mercy, asking for healing. And of course, leprosy represents the epitome of death, it is the worst possible uh, sickness in the biblical times that represented this person as a dead man. It, it, it would be a terminal uh, diagnosis for anyone today. It would be cancer. It's terminal. You, you, your, your life is over. Uh, it would be even worse than that. It was an infectious disease at that time where you had to be isolated. Nobody could see you. You, could, you were cut off from all people. It was a social death, physical death, and, and it often you know, would be mental death because you can't survive very well without people, right? And so the, he, this guy was in the worst case scenario, drops to his knees and begs for mercy of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing. So this man knew Jesus was able, but he didn't know for sure if he was willing. Lord, if you were willing, you can make me clean. And so many times we say, oh God, if it be your will, Don't pray that way anymore. If you're praying for sickness, if you're praying for healing, if you're praying for freedom, don't pray, God, if it be your will. I'm here to tell you it is God's will. It is God's will. It's God's will. Believe for his will to be done in your life. Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to save us, to heal us, to redeem us, and to set us free. And so he replied to this man who's, at his feet and it says jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and there's he had absolutely no business touching this man with an infectious disease it was against the protocol of the day uh, but he touched the man and he said i am willing be clean and immediately he was cleansed of of his leprosy when i share this story I often visualize, when Jesus puts his hand on this man of sickness, I visualize that sickness just being sucked up, covered up with life, that Jesus was, is the epitome of life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And eternal life touches this man with a death sentence upon him and swallows up, sucks out the death out of that man's body, and he's immediately healed. Woo, man that's who we serve jesus says i am willing be cleansed be cleansed of death be cleansed of the sickness be healed that's the god that we serve and so i just want to remind you a couple other things what is god's will god's will is for everyone to be saved first timothy Two verses 3 to 6 this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people God's will is that every single one is saved so we can pray with confidence and conviction For those who are lost to be saved because it is God's will to be saved. So if you're not saved, God wants you to be saved. He loves you. He paid for you to be forgiven. Jesus bled his blood for your sin so you could be saved. You could be forgiven. God's will is for you to be healed. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up. Their wounds. Jesus doesn't just want us to be healed of sickness, which is and diseases, which is also true. He also wants to heal our hurts, our pains, our sorrows, our anxieties. He wants to heal our soul. He wants to make us whole. This is God's will. Isaiah fifty three five says he was Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. The piercing of his body, the shedding of his blood was to pay for our sin so we could be healed of those sin and the guilt and the shame that comes with it. He was crushed for our iniquities, just like he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, which Gethsemane is really kind of mirrors a a Hebrew word of olive press. He was in an olive grove near an olive press where they would take olives and pile them on top of this cement circular stone. And have another wheel stone uh, be pushed or pulled by maybe an oxen or an animal or something and would go over those um, olives and the stone would just crush them to get the oil out of the olives. And Jesus was being crushed. He was bleeding uh, sweat, drops of blood as he began to be crushed for our iniquities, for our sin, for our sickness, for our diseases, for all of the effects that sin has had. On our life and our existence, Jesus was being pressed and crushed just like olives would be to extract the oil. And the olive oil represents three things. Healing, joy, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus was crushed so that you could be healed, you could have joy, and you could have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you right now. Wow. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, shalom, was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. This is God's will that you are healed. God's will is for you to be free. Titus 2.14, who gave himself, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to, to, to Set us free. Redeem means to be set free. To set us free from all bondage, from all evil, from all wickedness, from all addictions. And purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. That's why Jesus gave himself. To save us and redeem us from all wickedness. It is God's will for you to be free. Do not believe the voice of the enemy that says... No, you can't be free. What you've done is too bad, or you can never change, or you can never be free from this. Don't believe that lie. It is God's will for you to be free, and it's God's will for you to be blessed. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be blessed in your body, soul, and spirit. He wants you to be shining uh, with life. And in all of this, there's this great tension that I mentioned earlier a few minutes ago. But what happens when we don't see the results that we were hoping for, praying for, expecting for? Well, then you've got to have the same conviction that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. You got to say, listen, my faith is all in with God. He can save me. He can rescue me. And even if he doesn't, I am going to believe him, even if it costs me my life. Why? Because he is the eternal God, and I have eternity with him already. There's something way bigger at stake, eternity, than my temporary life situation right now. And I'm going to choose In my life and in my death, to trust and believe in Him. Do you see that? That will set you free from trying to figure everything out. We can't figure everything out. We don't know everything like God does. But we are going to believe and trust in Him in life or in death. Paul puts it this way. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, he says, I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, and he's talking from prison. He's writing this letter from prison. What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I know God will rescue me, is what he's saying. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, courage, So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Listen to this. Whether by life or by death. Paul is saying the same thing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said. I'm in prison. I'm being persecuted. Um, At any moment, his life could be over. He says, I'm confident God is going to deliver me. But what is more important to me is that I remain faithful to him so that whether in life or by death, Christ is exalted in me. That's amazing. So he finishes in verse 21 by saying, for to me, to live is Christ. I will continue to have faith in Jesus. I will continue to let Christ live in and through me and to die is gain. And Paul says, but if I die, then I enter into eternity and I gain everything. Do you see? I love this. This is how you put everything into perspective. For for me to live as Christ, I'm going to reflect Jesus. I'm going to trust in him. I'm not bound to any false gods. I'm not going to uh, back away. I'm going to be a man of great conviction. I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to trust in God. He's sovereign. And to die, if I die, I'm going to die in faith because I am going to heaven and entering eternity and gaining everything. Not losing anything, but gaining everything. He also says this in Romans 14.8, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Isn't that awesome? I love that. So to finish the story, Daniel chapter three, the king is furious. He, He is so mad. He tells him to pump up the the heat in the furnace seven times over and throw those guys in there. He gets as strong as commanders to grab these guys, bind them up, and toss them into the fiery furnace. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 24, it says that King Nebuchadnezzar... um, And so, yeah, so he did that. They threw them into into the furnace, and it says, King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? By the way, the fire was so hot that the men, the officers who tossed these guys in, died from the heat, just from the exposure to the exterior heat of the furnace. And they throw these guys in. They die. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fire. The king jumps up, and he's looking, and he's seeing. He says, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Wow. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a fourth was in there. Maybe it was an angel of the Lord. Or maybe it was uh, Christ himself. But God sent an angel or Jesus to save these men and to protect them. And this is just such a wonderful, encouraging uh, story to know. No matter what, God can do anything. And he is for you. And Jesus is with you. And the Holy Spirit is in you. And we trust our lives to God. And it's God's job to save us or to bring us home. It's not our job. Convictions, we'll never surrender our godly convictions for self-preservation because we're not trying to self-preserve. We're not trying to preserve our life here on the earth. We are trying to trust in God with our life. It's God's job to save us. It's God's job to rescue us. Our job is to be faithful, to trust in him, to rely our lives into his hands. And in this case, God showed up, rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and was given uh, even more glory right Uh, through through the example to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so as long as we live, we live for God. Daniel 3:27 says they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And this is what King Nebuchadnezzar said in verse 28. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. How about you and how about me? Can that be said of us? They trusted in him. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god let that be said of us. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. This king has a little problem with anger management. Doesn't he? He just wants he wants to put everybody to death who disagrees with him on anything. Anyway, and for he says concludes concluding it by saying for no other god can save In this way hallelujah (laughs) that is still the case today no other God can save this way and that is who Jesus is today for you and for me as I close this message I want to just assure you that God is sovereign his truth is supreme and he holds our eternity in his hands let's trust our lives to him and if you need to get right with God today the Bible says Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, on the name of Jesus, will be saved. You are trusting your life into his hands, releasing your life into his hands, trusting that he is gonna lead you and guide you, deliver you, save you, rescue you, and he is the one that determines when we cross into eternity. No other thing does on earth except God himself. That's my conviction, that's my faith, and whether we live or die, We live for him, we die in him. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Pray this prayer with me right now if you're ready to get saved and give your life to Jesus and trust in him and let him be the one that is near you, in you, and with you throughout every day of your life. Jesus, we come to you right now and I thank you for saving us and for making a way for us to be forgiven of all of our sins. For those who are praying this prayer with me right now, let's just pray this together. Say, Jesus, today I commit my life to you and declare my faith in you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin, paying the price for my death so I could have eternal life in you. I'm all yours. I trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray amen amen and lord i pray that you fill each and every one of us with your holy spirit so we have the power that we need to be godly men and women and young people of conviction in you and in your word may your word and your spirit and our fellow christians all together continue to encourage us and strengthen us and build us up lord so we can be all that you've called us to be may we experience your healing may we experience your freedom May we experience your salvation and may we be a light to those around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining uh, me today uh, on this series of conviction. We have one more we're going to do next week out of the book of Daniel. And uh, as I close, let me just speak the words of God's blessing over you and your family today. Okay. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in his name. Amen. Amen. Love you. Pray for you. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.